Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. Welcome to this week's episode of The Flow Line. We've got another great surprise this week, and we'll be doing an interview with a gentleman who sits on the lab and R&D side of things for our sister company, JCAM Catalyst. Matt and I would like to welcome Justin Disney, Director of Laboratory and R&D Services at JCAM Catalyst. And before I keep going, yes, there's two Justins on the show, I know. So the best way to distinguish the two is, you know, the regular host is the one with the Canadian accent, which is me, who isn't quite as smart as the other Justin who's being interviewed. So it should be pretty easy to distinguish. Mr. Disney, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Oh, good. Thank you for having me. Good. No, absolutely. It's a pleasure. And, you know, it's it's great to have folks like yourself come on the show that don't sit necessarily directly underneath the AES umbrella. And it just kind of highlights the size and, and the kind of uniqueness of our organization. But yeah, so with that said, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, kind of the history of Catalyst and how we've all sort of bonded together here to create one big happy family. Yeah. So I've been in the oil industry for about 14 years now. Prior to that, my background was manufacturing. So I spent time at the Naval Shipyard working on nuclear submarines. And so it's kind of a a varied background from manufacturing. We dealt with very high-tech bearing manufacturer. We made like the little bearings for like the Mars rovers and CT scanners and things like that. And then spent time at a very low-tech manufacturing making chain link fence. And so I kind of got to see the whole gamut of different operations. Mm. Yeah, I've been out in the oil field for 14 years and really just kind of picked up the industry as I've I've been out here. Right. So you say as you've been out there, where are you originally from? So my family, father was military, so we kind of moved all around. We spent pretty much every three years moving, but my dad retired in South Carolina. And so that's kind of a, you know, pretty much home. So yeah. Okay. How'd you get in the oil field? So my older brother, Vern, he is one of the co-founders for Catalyst. So he started the company in 2005. In 2007, he came to me and asked if I wanted to be a part of it and come out and join. And when he first asked me, I said, no, because I didn't know anything about the oil industry. I, was, you know, I felt like it, it, was, it was so foreign and I really wouldn't be able to bring any value to it. Working with your brother wasn't a factor? <laughs> we we get along really well. So it's my younger brother also works out here with us. And so it's, you know, we have our moments, obviously, but you know, if anybody gets out of line, we can always call their mama. So (laughs) yeah, no kidding. And they all live out in in Midland with you now, huh? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so would you ever, you know, consider going back to the, to the motherland out towards East, I guess? It's nice to visit, but the oil industry has got me hooked. It's in my blood now. I love the challenges associated with it. You know, with manufacturing, it's you're always trying to just improve by the nth degree every year. And so it's, it's you know, it's, it's not really innovative. It's just, it's just micro improvements versus the oil field. I mean, there's always something new and something innovative that's just on the horizon. Right. So Justin, I think kind of with that, you know, can you tell us more about what JCAM Catalyst does and kind of, I know y'all do a lot of things, but kind of give the listeners a broad overview of, of all those problems that JCAM Catalyst solves for the oil field. We're, so I guess, an oil field chemical service provider. So our predominant focus is, is solving customers' problems for predominantly production, but we also pipeline 
a little bit on the drilling and we, we can talk later, but kind of how we differ from AES on that component. We're, we're more specialized on just a piece of that. And then also on the stimulation side. And so we're not only manufacturing the chemicals, but we're also developing the application, the treatment techniques, and then monitoring the performance to then decide is the program overall effective for the customer? Are we achieving a total lifting cost reduction for the customer? And so a lot of that, I mean, I guess a lot of that chemistry is, is a little bit more fit for purpose as well, right? I mean, relative to well conditions and it's not, I'm out in the Permian Basin and so I have five products and choose one or two. There's a lot of work you guys do on the back end to optimize those treatments, correct? Oh, for definitely. There, there we have probably 1,200 products in our product line between JCAM and Catalyst. And there is no one product that solves everything. Every operator has different lifting techniques, different production styles, different problems that are associated with that. And so it, it really is trying to form a relationship with the customer and not sell them a chemical, but try to understand their problems and try to solve those problems. Because a lot of times when we solve their problems, there's not a chemical sales associated with it. It's just, well, if you change this particular method of, of production, or if you increase the size of your vessels or other type of application change, you might be able to get away with using chemical completely. Interesting. And I think that customer relationship part is something that I think we all sort of value together. I know you engage with your customers differently. A lot more of it's in the field. And while we have field personnel, you know, we're in the office and a lot of our sales happen that way. But I mean, you get, you know, most of your representatives are out there in a truck at the, you know, production facility or the site making these recommendations or catching samples and, and talking to the end user who benefits. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. If we have to have a good relationship, it's, I would say probably 80% of our workforce is in some way direct contact with the customer on a daily basis, you know, from our drivers, treater trucks to their account managers or service techs. And so it is, it is a very, have, we have to have a very strong relationship with them. We have to not only solve their problems, we also have to show that value. You know, you know, what are we actually doing for them? And so that way we can also understand what problems they may have that may change. You know, it's as these companies get bought and sold and we have new owners for, you know, these operators, you know, sometimes their their goals may change. And so understanding what was important to one operator or to one owner may not necessarily be as important to the next one. Yeah. And I mean, I was going to tackle onto that, you know, you guys, as far as production and making some of these chemistries, you're still involved in a little bit of, of actual production because y'all are taking these products and, you know, blending them or, or you have some reactors. It's just quite interesting to see how much fit for purpose applications you have. I was able to go up to Sterling a while ago and get to meet a few of the guys up there. And it's really incredible. Just you see a bunch of guys geeking out at, at solving problems and whether it's on the manufacturing side or whether it's getting, you know, just the right product. I don't know if larger organizations that have are kind of a little more tied down in structure can move as fast and solve as many problems the way you guys can for, you know, production streams in particular. I think that's one of the areas we've been successful is, is because we are manufacturing our laboratory and our field services are all directly tied very closely together. And so we've actually... We've actually commercialized a product. We've actually determined a product based off of lab testing, commercialized it, and manufactured it in less than 24 hours. And being able to be responsive to that customer, I think, is, is what really helps in our industry. Because after all, we're a service role. If we tell the customer, we'll have you a product that may solve your problems three months from now, I mean, by that time, it's too late. And so being able to have that rapid response 
you know, I think that's why it's so important to have that manufacturing capability where we control our own destiny. We control the ups and downs based off of as much as we can based off of differences in, in raw material fluctuations and we control our own, you know, reaction capabilities. And so it, it allows us that flexibility to be able to move as needed. No, that makes sense. And that's one of the, I mean, obviously one of the benefits that we have as an organization is to be able to leverage each other's resources and, you know, bring in, you know, AES and for, well, AES bringing on Catalyst and JCAM over the years has, has helped us scale up and really grow from a manufacturing capabilities. And so for, for, for Catalyst, what did you see, you know, as, as a, as a smaller independent company, you know, full control, how would you say it's benefited you to then be tacked on to essentially, you know, the CES family? Can you, can you kind of describe how that's been a, a positive thing for you guys? I think that, you know, we started obviously as a small company and we grew. I think whenever anybody hears about, you know, a small company being bought out by a bigger company, there's always that, that fear of trepidation because, you know, a lot of times with big companies, they go in with that approach of, hey, I know better, even though I'm buying you for your success, I know better how to run your company than you do. And, and with CES, that was completely the opposite of the case. You know, it, it was so refreshing to see that, you know, these companies, CES is, is run by, by people who, who are business owners. They've, they've dealt with customers. They know what, what it means to solve customers' problems. And to give us the, the flexibility to run our business, but yet have access to resources that are, are available company-wide. You know, if we need equipment, we don't no longer have just our own little lab to look for for capabilities. Who else in the company has it? What other you know, techniques we have? You know, quite a few times we've, we've utilized the laboratory for AES in Houston for, you know, testing that's just outside our normal experience for, for products, but to be able to have that capability was just, you know, completely refreshing. Well, one thing that I've noticed too, and, and I came from the CES family and then trickled my way down into the U.S., but one thing that's that's always been apparent and, and, and your guys' values and culture kind of, you know, certainly align with ours is, you know, there's been times where I've called you and you've answered the phone and we've talked about, you know, a specific problem or something that may be out of my expertise, but the access to people who have that experience. I mean, we've sent, you know, samples from one of our customers and sent it to your lab and you've guys have done some analytics. So to go to a customer to say, you know, yes, we, all, we, we have our own brand recognition, but the access to each other's resources is extremely valuable. And I keep, I know we keep repeating that, but Oftentimes, even, you know, with the larger service companies, they all, you know, say have the same coveralls with the same name, but having access to each other's business units is oftentimes extremely painful and you have to go through a bunch of different management, whereas we're all working managers and we can, we can talk and we can discuss and we can send things to each other, you know, and, and be on a text message basis or an email back and forth. I just, I can't, I don't see that or nor have I heard of that from companies that are our size or even bigger. And so, how has that been for you and your team? I mean, obviously it's been helpful, but does that help you guys? I mean, in any other capacities or, or? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, we have, you know, we get to pull everybody's collective brain power. And I think that's, what's incredible. We do have different businesses, you know, that we run and, you know, different, but what's neat is a lot of sometimes what solves a particular problem in one industry or one aspect of business may have a completely different use that we may be able to find in, in another, you know, another aspect of it. And so, you know, we, we have 
routine technology calls where everybody from all the divisions get on and we talk about what's new, what's what, you know, what's what have they developed? And and sometimes it's it's pretty much just, you know, the only application that we people see is just in their particular industry. But there's been quite a few times where we go, well, you know, you're using it for this, but there's actually a really good application that might be for what I have. And being able to share that knowledge and be able to piggyback off that to kind of help really think outside the box for solutions. Yeah. So I read a book a while ago and it's, it's called range. And, you know, basically one of the arguments of the book is that if you think too much within your own kind of domain, you try and solve problems your own way. And, you know, they talk about highway projects and, you know, they always go way over budget. And so like in Scotland, they had a group of just random people decide how much it was going to cost, like get a cost estimate. They've been consistently more accurate because they go ask other people questions and look at all the other failures and issues where if you're really good at something, oh, how hard can it be? And you sort of overestimate your capabilities or you only think within your own solution set. And so, you know, one of the things that I've observed from those calls is that, you know, you you talk to the other, other brains from the other companies and hear what they're working on and it doesn't directly apply to you, but you realize like if you could explain your problem to them, they might have a totally different approach that everybody else who does what you do wouldn't even think of because that's not how you solve problems with when you do what we do. And I've noticed a few times where I'm like, interesting, you know, and, and certainly with, with you guys, particularly with your knowledge of emulsions, I mean, you're, you're trying to break them and we're trying to keep them together. But even in situations like that, just understanding the mechanisms a little better can go a long way to thinking about the problem differently. Yeah, I know the term's often overused, but I truly think there's a lot of synergy, you know, between the companies just because we are more than the, the sum of our parts. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's so true. Hey, Justin. Hey, Matt. What's so important that we need to break into a pristine flow line episode to tell our listeners? Well, we need to tell them what we're so excited about. Of course, the 101st episode spectacular. That's right, Matt. We're just a few episodes away from a big milestone, and we really want to celebrate because, you know, we love to celebrate. So how are we going to do it this time? Well, from now until episode 101, we want to hear from our listeners. We've got a great new website. And if you go to the full line page, you can see not only all of our episodes, but you can enter for a giveaway. Ah, the old stress balls again, isn't it? No, Justin, we've actually got some pretty nice things. Think <laughs> about maybe a smoker where you can keep the rig crew happy, things like that. We'll select about three winners for the giveaway. That's actually a great prize. And I've heard a lot. I mean, you go to a rig and there's a lot of folks out there trying to cook. And I say trying, they are cooking because most of those rig hands and especially mud engineers know how to cook. So something like that would be phenomenal. So all you have to do is go to the aesfluids.com website and click on the flow line button. There you can see all of our great episodes along with our contact form. Click join the giveaway, provide a message telling us how great we are, and you're entered. As you know, Justin, I'm pretty big on free stuff. So I think there will be a few people who will be trying to enter this. Well, I know you like free stuff. Every time we try and go for lunch, you tag on with the salesman. So uh, if anyone's like Matt and likes free stuff, now's your chance to get some stuff. So we're excited to celebrate with all the listeners and hopefully everyone listens to the 101st episode. We hope to see you there. And if you have, we'll see if you won. All right. Back to the episode. So Justin, how would you, for a lot of the folks out there, you know, we've got a lot of mud engineers that listen and there's obviously catalyst trailers scattered throughout the Permian Basin probably more than anyone else, which is phenomenal. But can you kind of just give an overview of what you guys do on the drilling fluid perspective and the corrosion protection side of things? Yeah, this was an application that I'll give a lot of credit to Lisa Lang. 
where she saw a market that was, you know, kind of underutilized, underdeveloped, you know, her background was production chemicals. So on the production side, you know, we're all about, you know, corrosion protection. You know, we have that experience, that knowledge base. And, you know, she noticed that on the drilling side, there wasn't as much emphasis. You know, your drill string could be, you know, several hundred thousand dollars worth of asset. And when she first looked into this, the application method was terrible. You essentially had somebody dropping off a drum of chemical and you relied on a rig hand to, you know, maybe end of shift every, you know, just drop five gallons, you know, down the tubing. And I think she looked at it and goes, there's got to be a better way. You know, one of the always the issues they always had was if if somebody forgot to do it, they would just pump twice as much, you know, the next shift. And you know, corrosion's an irreversible process. So it's but yes, so she said there's gotta be a better way. So she really took a lot of that production chemical knowledge and said, How can we apply the same technique where the corrosion inhibitor is being pumped into the fluids continuously? So that way it's a hands-off approach where you don't have to rely on a rig hand to who's worried about, you know, you know, making hold to then try to to you know, take care of the, the drill pipe. And so developed essentially a self-encompassed trailer that pumps, you know, corrosion inhibitor, scale inhibitor, oxygen scavenger, things like that. You know, so that way it's, it's essentially a hands-off approach for the rig hand. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that too, you guys offer, you know, like corrosion ring analytics and stuff of that nature too, huh? Yes. It's really, you know, again, from the production side, it's all about not only providing the service, but also proving that, that your service is effective. And so you know, if you're going to sell a corrosion inhibitor to the drilling rig, when the drilling rig sees that, when the company man sees that expense, the first thing they're going to ask is, well, how do I know it's working? You know, how, you know, what can you prove to me that I'm getting what I'm paying for? And this is where like the corrosion rings come into, you know, play where, where we prove, you know, provide validation where if, you know, if the corrosion rings look great, there's a good indication that we're protecting the pipe. If the corrosion rings look terrible, something, you know, obviously the program's not working or we need to look at other methods of trying to, you know, change the program out. And so it's really been the kind of that validation of not only providing the chemical, but providing the service and giving somebody the knowledge that what we're doing is effective or, or show signs of effectiveness based off of monitoring techniques. Yeah. No, like they say, you can't, you know, if you don't measure it, you can't increase its performance. So having that way to quantify what we're doing out there is, is obviously great. And so I want to switch gears a little bit, and, and you may or may not be involved with this, but I got to say your guys' LinkedIn presence and marketing has definitely taken a turn for the better. I don't know who's behind that, but I, I got to applaud you and your team for marketing. Yeah, we have a new marketing manager. She joined us a couple months ago, and she's been a really, really great taking this on and kind of you know helping helping spread the word. I feel like JCAM Catalyst is the biggest company nobody's heard of. And so right. <laughs> we've got a huge national presence. We're probably number three in the production chemical business in the U.S. and number two in the Permian, but you still have a lot of people who've never heard of us. And so she's done, I think, a really great job of trying to help boost that presence. Yeah. yeah I got to meet Sarah the other day and she's got, I think she's excited. And, you know, when you're not telling the story and then you get somebody dedicated to telling the story, you can gain some traction pretty quick. And I think she's been able to, to help you all a lot with that. So it's neat to see, especially I'll say like, there's one gentleman who listens. I don't want to use his name necessarily just to out of respect for whatever secrecy he's, he's seeking. But <laughs> it was really funny because when you guys put in your new lab in Gardendale, I said something, I commented on one of the things and I said, oh man, I can't wait to see this and borrow all your stuff. He direct messaged me and he was like, AES drilling fluids is, is under the same umbrella as JCAM Catalyst. He's like, we work with JCAM Catalyst. That's great. It makes a lot. And, and then he said something along the lines of, it makes a lot of sense. You kind of, like the way you guys take care of your customers, like 
I get it kind of thing. And it, it was, it was pretty affirming and also like more people need to know about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I love how we don't have a competitive nature intra-company where it's, you know, it's not a matter, you know, it's not a zero sum game where, you know, if one wins, the other has to lose. And, and so I, it just, it's, it's really, really nice having that, being part of that CES family like that. Certainly. And having seen, having seen the other side of it, I, you know, at a different organization, I can certainly tell you it's, it's just interesting how much more you can get done and how much more of a cohesive unit you have when people don't feel like they're being pitted against one another. And But corrosion is probably one of the first things that comes to mind when we talk about, you know, working together. But if you're using a lot of AES drilling fluids products or even CES on, on their, you know, mud company in Canada, you know, organophilic clays, those are, you know, you guys make some of those for us, you know, some of our emulsifier components. And I think what's really, you know, what's really interesting about that is the fact that we know exactly what's in it. So if there's ever a question or a concern or on our end, we say it's always the mud's fault. <laughs> we can quickly come back and say, I really don't think so. And here's why. And we have a level of depth of knowledge that if we were buying that from an outside party would take some time. If we could get the information or if, if they were comfortable sharing that, it would require lawyers and lots of other things. And we can just pick up the phone and figure those things out. Yeah. And, and I think that one of the handy parts of controlling your own manufacturing is it helps you get to the answer, I think, quicker because, you know, obviously when something goes wrong, the first thing people point to is what's well, the chemical or it's whatever you're using. And if you can then validate and cross that off the list of things that are, are causing it by being able to control the manufacturing, going, looking at your QCs, looking at your retains, it helps you get to the root cause faster because you're not chasing the wrong thing. Exactly. And, and when people are pointing the finger, and I, I mean, I don't, don't mean to be too accusatory, but it certainly feels like the fingers pointed at us sometimes. And, you know, you don't want to be so arrogant as to say, oh, it's, it could never be our products. Yeah. So the very first thing you want to do is rule that out and demonstrate that evidence and then go after what's really going on, which is usually the case. But getting that information as quickly as possible helps you jump to what the real problem is. And everybody knows that it's not that thing, you know, I promise you it's not that it's, here's the evidence. Let's go look at, let's go look at what's maybe really going on. And I was going to say one other, like one other thing you, you mentioned sharing lab resources. I really haven't seen a lot of people get excited about a bank of ICP equipment in a while. But when I when Lee and I were visiting the lab, as we were walking away, he said, that is the most impressive setup I've ever seen. And I was like, Lee, how many ICP banks have you seen? And he's like, <laughs> enough to be impressed. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to come out and say it. I don't even know what that, what is that? Can you describe that or for me uh, so, and the so listeners? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it's, it's an inductively coupled plasma spectrometer. It's really one of the main techniques for like a water analysis. So like, you know, say drinking water, you know, when you get the little report from, you know, your municipality and it says it's got this much lead, this much copper, chances are they're probably using an ICP to analyze it. And what it does is it takes your fluid, it heats it up to the plasma state. So probably, you know, 4,000 plus degrees wow. and the electrons emit light as they cool. And that light is then detected. Each element emits a specific wavelength of light. And so you're from there, you're able to then positively identify, do I have sodium, do I have iron, do I have magnesium or whatever? These instruments, they've been around for probably, I don't know, probably 30 plus years, but there's been, you know, just light years improvements over the years. And we're able to get a very rapid water analysis in just a few minutes 
And so it's, I would say for, for on the production side, you know, the water analysis is probably 70 plus percent of the analytical testing that will run, you know, for customers. And that's, I mean, so when we run into a situation where what we do not have nearly the volume to keep that, if we had one, we have to keep it calibrated, to keep it, you got to run them to keep them kind of in check, if you will. And we would have a cool tool that we ran every once in a while. And instead what happens is we get a request, we just take it down the road to Gardendale. And I mean, a lot of times we get the same day. It's just, a, it's just another one in the tray, you know, for them. But for us, it would either be a, a bunch of titrations or we have to send it out to a third party. So when a customer wants to know water, you know, makeup water composition, you know, down to specific ions, it's like, I love having it, but it's just not worth the time and trouble and all of that for us to have our own equipment. And yet they do it every day. It's very handy because in the oil field, you have very limited diagnostic tools for what's going on down hole. And so it's, in some respects, it's almost like trying to read, you know, goat entrails, you know, you, you know, you're trying to figure out what's going on based off, you know, off the limited things that you have available to you. Water analysis is, is useful because we can then make inferences. Okay. Well, what's, what's coming into our well bore? What, what fluid characteristics are, are coming in? And we can look at changes in, in water chemistry, you know, it's, especially on the production side, you know, if this well has been producing this type of water chemistry for the last 10 years, and all of a sudden the production's changed, is the water chemistry changed? If it has, that's an indication something's gone on. We have a casing leak of some sort or, or something else has happened. Yeah, no, that's, I remember having one done for a customer and, and it was, I mean, the information was a little, what we could do with it was, was fascinating and sort of the information that we were able to give them on a, such a rapid response was, I mean, it's certainly valuable to not only us, but obviously to our customers. Matt, maybe, you know, this might be out of criteria, but maybe a, a tech tip on one of those machines would be pretty cool. I learned something new today. So <laughs> maybe the rest of our team and everyone else on the internet world would be interested to hear about that. Cause I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, just the technology we, behind getting those, those analytics, pretty cool. We need to do some stuff on just all of our analytical tools, just, you know, the top ones. And, and certainly with respect to, you know, ICP is a fantastic one that it's kind of, I'm just so thankful to have access to it. And they have a really great scanning electron microscope. And now that I know about it, might be asking for favors, <laughs> but it's just, it's really neat that it's like, you know, these are expensive tools, right? They're not central to AES's business, but having them at our disposal, it's just another cool thing. And if you're on the technology side, you can geek out over this stuff and, Every, you know, everybody who works in the lab, they say, if you could have one more thing, what would it be? <laughs> and so there's always, like, I, I talked about getting a desktop SEM and then Baxter was like, well, what would you do with it? And I was like, I just want one. <laughs> <laughs> I did not present an appropriate business case. <laughs> <laughs> just because sometimes that's yeah, good well, enough. Well, we'll look at stuff. Yeah. All things. <laughs> But, uh, Being a lab geek, I'm pretty passionate about it. So, like, it's there's I always have a wish list of things I'd love to have. That, like I said, it may, may not always make it be a business case for, but it, it would love love to have. Sounds Absolutely. like me and my golf bag. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, you know, with the interest of time, which I certainly want to respect yours, Justin, Matt, do you have any questions for Mr. Disney here? That's about all that I have for today. No, I mean, I, I just really felt like it was long overdue. To, I know you guys have been really busy. I've been bugging Vern and anybody I could talk to about getting you on just because I think JCAM Catalyst, you know, they do so much. And like you said, people aren't aware that we get to work closely together. We, you know, get to learn a lot from each other. And, you know, certainly we hope all of our, you know, anybody who's listening understands that like we, we have a pretty cool thing going with the way we're set up. So 
just extend my gratitude for taking the time, Justin. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you all for having me. You bet. And for everyone out there listening, if you could go onto LinkedIn, look up JCAM Catalyst and do yourself a favor, follow them. They put out great content. They also put on there when they're hiring. Obviously right now at the oil field, things are picking up. And so if anyone out there is listening is on the sidelines, you know, keep your eyes and ears open. You know, they're doing some great things. They're growing. And if you could also please support the show by leaving a quick review. And if you have a great story or any comments, please hop on LinkedIn and reach out to either Matt and I, or you can always hit us up at the Flowline Podcast at AESFluids.com. Take care for now, everybody, and be safe. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flowline. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.